We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. The verse that we're looking at uh, uh, today, once again, is uh, um, it's actually you know, s- uh, several verses uh, together just for, for context, but Haaretz uh, Haitah, you don't need to turn back, I'm just turning back because, uh, to, get the, to get the full verse, but Haaretz Haitah Tohu Vavohu Beruach Elohim Merachavet Al Pnei Hatehom Actual verse, not to recite it by memory. Um, see, now I just lost my own page again. What I do? This way. Um. So, um, uh, the earth was astonishingly empty. Remember, we you know, we talked a little bit about different possibilities of understanding uh, that phrase, tohu vavohu, uh, with darkness upon the surface of the deep and the spirit of God hovered upon the surface of the waters. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated between the light and the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness God called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, one day, or a first day. Okay, so that's where we are. Uh, that's the verse that we're talking about. So it's the midrash cites another teaching based on our verse. That's the that's the verse. Okay. Uh, so uh, Harry, you want to read Rabbi Haggai? Rabbi Haggai said in the name of Rabbi Pedat. Yeah, Pedat. Pedat. Yeah. A covenant is made with the world's bodies of water, stipulating that even in times of extreme heat, a wind will always blow over it and cool it. All right, so so what part of the verse is that commenting on? Oh, don't cheat. <laughs> Strike that from the record. <laughs> I think the, uh, the earth was astonishingly empty. Darkness was on the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovered upon the surface of the waters. It must be the Spirit of God. Right, right. Uh, exactly. So the, the phrase in Hebrew is Ruach Elohim, Merachafet Alpinehamayim. The, the, it's translated here as the Spirit of God. I, you know, it could mean a, a, a wind of God, you know, a divine wind right. or something like that was fluttering on the, on the surface of the waters. Um, so, so this is a midrash on that verse. So, you know, what, what's, what's happening there, um, is, uh, is, uh, the, the, you know, this idea that, you know, that, that there will all, there's a deal God made with the water. I'll never get to let them get too hot. Um, you know, so it's an, uh, um, you know, an interesting, uh, conversation at a time when, you know, volcanoes are erupting in right. Hawaii 
and uh, when the, the oceans are heating up um, in a way that wind probably is not going to help. Um, well, you're not moving, moving air over hot water anyway because heat rises, so there will be movement. I guess that's true. Um, all right, let's keep on going, unless you have something to say about that little midrash there. The midrash relates an incident in which the previous interpretation is rejected, and a different one, of course, is offered. It once happened that Rabbi Shimon ben Zoma was sitting and meditating, oblivious to his surroundings. Rabbi Yehoshua passed by and inquired after his welfare once and then again. But Rabbi Shimon ben Zoman did not respond. In other words, he was comatose. Finally, on the third time... Or he time, was deep in meditation. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, on the third time, he responded at a startled man. Page. Rabbi Yehoshua said to him, Ben Zoma, where are the footsteps of your mind coming from? I.e., what were you pondering so deeply? Ben Zoma replied, I was contemplating a certain matter. Don't be too explanatory. <laughs> Undeterred, Rabbi Yehoshua said to him, I call heaven and earth to bear witness for me that I will not budge from here until you tell me where the footsteps of your mind are coming from. So you got a clash of two strong wheels there. Seeing that he had no choice, Benzoma said to him, I was concentrating on the account of creation. And while doing so, I discovered that... Between By the way, this is the rabbinic way of like saying, you know, penny for your thoughts. Okay, you say so. <laughs> and while doing so, I discovered that between the upper waters and the lower waters, there were only about two or three finger breadths of space. The proof for this is that it is not written here, and the Spirit of God, quote, and the Spirit of God blew over the surface of the waters, but rather, and the Spirit of God hovered upon the surface of the water. So where are the two layers of water? Right, so That's you, the you, first question. So let's just, yeah, right. So for the, well, the, uh, the first, the first question is, um, you know, whether there is um, a uh, whether there is space between the upper waters and the lower waters between between sky and 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 sea, right? And um, and so he's uh, been um, um, uh, Rabbi Shimon. Um, Rabbi Shimon Ben Zoma, Ben Zoma was saying that uh, that uh, that that there must be a space between the upper waters and the lower waters because of this verse. And this verse says that God, the spirit, that the spirit of God hovered upon the surface of the waters, not that the spirit of God blew over the surface of the waters. In other words, so if God, if 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 we translate Merachefet as blew then it would be like literally on top of the water, right? But if it was hovering, right, you know, so like a hoverboard, there's a little bit of space between the hoverboard and the, uh, and the, and, and the water or the, or the ground, right? So, so it, it hinges on how you translate that word, the, the uh, merachefet, 
al pnei That's why I think that this midrash is disagreeing with the previous midrash. You know that that said that uh, that you know that there there was wind blowing on the waters. I uh, saying no, it wasn't a wind blowing on the waters. It was God's presence hovering above the waters. Right? So that so that heaven was uh, was almost just at the earthly waters, but not quite. Right. So he hovered upon the surface. God hovered upon the surface of the waters like a bird that flaps its wings over its brood. Where its wings touch and yet do not touch, i.e., its wings barely touch the nest. And after hearing this, Rabbi Yehoshua, Yehoshua turned to his disciples and said, Prince Omo has gone. So, what kind of a rabbinic comment is that? <laughs> um, well, I think there are. Uh, there, there are There are two. There are two ways of, of looking at that. You know, I actually need to uh, get another uh, text for us. But um, uh, there, there are two ways of looking at that. Um, one is that ben, Benzoma uh, has gone crazy. Um, you know, in other words, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's you know, kind of like fixated on this thing, you know, that, uh, um, you know, that, that makes no sense. Uh, or, uh, or it could be that Benzoma is, you know, is... Um, is is likely to die. Um, so if you look look at yeah. So let's look at um, look at uh, look at number forty nine. Let's start with number forty nine. Okay, the note number forty nine. Okay, the spirit or wind of God did not blow strongly over the water, but hovered, and this was because there was only a small space between the upper waters and the lower waters. Um, Correct. Correct. Um, so actually, let's go back before uh, note number forty-nine to note number forty-seven. Okay, uh, and note number forty-seven is uh, referencing um, uh, Benzoma's statement that he discovered that between the upper waters and the lower waters, there were only about two or three finger breadths of space. Okay, this statement requires explanation. In the Torah, we read that on the second day of creation, God separated the waters on high from the waters below and placed or solidified the firmament midway between them. Um, since that time, there has been a vast distance between the two waters. So how could Benzoma perceive that distance as being no more than two or three finger breadths? Eitz Yosef suggests that Ben Yoma was speaking about the first day of creation before God separated the two levels of water. Contrary to what one might think, that at an early stage, that at that early stage there was only one undivided body of water reaching from earth to heaven, Ben Zoma discovered that even there was a separation of two or three finger breadths. Note that this explanation does not accord with the Talmud's version of the story, which we'll get to in a second. So Rashi, <coughs> to uh, uh, on on Talmud Tractate Chagiga, uh, page fifteen a, which is a really um, uh, important and, and challenging passage of Talmud. Okay, so um, that's what I wanted to get to is that uh, in. Um, 
uh, and I think I've actually alluded to this uh, in, in our in our time together, that uh, uh, it starts, I think, at the bottom of 14b. Um, so there, there, were, there were four rabbis who entered Pardes. Hard to know exactly what that means, but probably that they that they ascended to heaven. Um, was uh, 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 Rabbi Akiva, uh, Ben Zoma, uh, Ben. Um, what's the other one? Can't remember the the third uh, and. Uh, Elisha Ben Abuya, who's known as Acher. Um, uh, one of them died in this journey to heaven. One of them went crazy. One of them became an apostate. And the only one who survived unscathed was Rabbi Akiva. Um, and, you know, so it's actually maybe worth uh, um, uh, taking a look at that uh, at, at that passage. So, if you'll give me just a second, I'm going to run up and get my sure. tractate Chagiga. Forgot to bring it down before we start. Give me one second. So first of all, it's strange that they're even talking about this in the first place because uh, the, as the commentary pointed out, that this division between the, the two waters uh, are, uh, it doesn't happen until the second day of creation. And we're still only talking about the first day of creation. Um, the, you know, the, the second thing is, I mean, so if you, if you think about it kind of literally, it's, True. I mean, the, the sky is water. Um, okay. Um, so, um, so that's an, you know another way of thinking about it. I mean, um, I, let me read this passage to you, and, and um, it might it might it might spark more more thought about it. So. Second, um, okay. Um, all right, this is all um, based on a Mishnah that says, "Ein dorshin ba'arayot b'shlosha v'lo b'maase b'reshit b'shnaim v'lo b'merkava b'yachid." So you should not uh, expound or, or study uh, the laws of, uh, of of sexual immorality. Uh, with um, with less than three people, you shouldn't study the acts of creation uh, with less than two people. 
uh, and you shouldn't uh, study the um, uh, is, is like is things about God's chariots, sort of like mystical um, uh, uh, study of, of, of God's chariot. Uh, we shouldn't do that alone. Um, Unless you were wise and uh, you knew uh, and you could understand uh, on your own. So, uh, So anybody who thinks or looks at studies for things, um, it's, it, it, you might as well have never been born. Malamala, uh, what's above? Malamata, what's below? Malifnim, uh, what is uh, w- uh, w- what was uh, um, what, what's inside? Malachor, what's outside? Um, in other words, like you should only kind of like focus on like what you what you really can have an awareness of. You know, um, don't uh, don't don't think beyond your your sort of sphere of understanding. Um, yeah. The uh, Anybody who isn't worried about the honor of his maker, um, it would be fitting for him uh, that he should never come into the world. Okay, so that's uh, uh, so that's the that's the Mishnah that this is based off of. But then there's some you know conversation about all of that, and then we get here. Okay, Tanor uh, Rabbanan. So rabbis teach uh, there were four that uh, entered paradise. The uh, Eluhen, and these are they: Ben Azai, Ben Zoma, Acher, Rabbi Akiva. Ben Azai, uh, that's the other Ben that I couldn't remember off the top of my head. Ben Azai, Ben Zoma, who we uh, are reading about right here. Uh, Acher, who's uh, also known, uh, Acher means like the outsider or the other. Um, but he is the rabbi formerly known as Elisha Ben Abuya uh, and, uh, and Rabbi Akiva. Amar uh, lahem Rabbi Akiva. So Rabbi Akiva said to them, Kshatem megiin etzel avnei shayish tahor, al tomru ma'im ma'im. Okay, so when you get to the pure alabaster stones, be careful not to shout out water, water. So you're going to see, you're going to go to heaven, we're going to see these pure alabaster stones. It's going to look so pristine that it will appear to you like water. But trust me, Rabbi Akiva says, it's not water. Don't say that it's water. Why? Mishum Shneamar, because it says, Dover Shkarim lo yichon lenegedenai. The speaker of lies will not be able to stand in my presence. Um, God apparently is the speaker there, right? You know, so don't stand in God's presence and even inadvertently utter lies because you, things will not go well for you. In other words, so, there, so Rabbi Akiva, I guess, is the kind of knowledgeable one of the four of them. He sort of like knows what to anticipate, knows what to expect. He's, I guess, the guide. You know, he's um, who takes um, Dante uh, into uh, into the Inferno. Um, oh shoot. It's a blind person. Um, yes. Homer. Is it Homer? I think it's Homer. 
someone in cyberspace, you look it up on Google, um, who took Dante to the Inferno. Anyway, that's sort of Rabbi Akiva's role here, I guess, right? Uh, and he's saying, like, you're going you're gonna to see things that are going to cause you to say something not true. Uh, mind yourself that you don't say the untrue thing because uh, it, you could... You're going to be in trouble. You could, you're going to be in trouble. Um, Even if it's an honest mistake because you think what you're looking at is right. something that it is. Right. So it, uh, apparently in this context, even an inadvertent untruth is uh, is dangerous. Well, it also, I guess, part of the moral of that story is don't trust your eyes, right? <coughs> don't speak before verifying. Right, I mean, right. Don't speak before verifying. I would say is, is the better one. Right. It, it, I mean, it reminds me of there's you know there's a, another rabbinic teaching um, the Hebrew of which I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's, it's elsewhere in the Talmud. There's you know always you, a person should always uh, uh, teach their tongue to say I do not know. Right. <laughs> um, so you know, like don't be so don't be so sure of yourself. Right. So you're going to see this. You don't really know what it is, so just shut up. Right. right? Yeah. Um, but be humble. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, everybody, so everybody with me so far, to the extent that you can be with me on this, it's a, it's a strange passage. Ben, ben Azai hates seats of a mate. Okay. Ben Azai looked or glanced and died. Alava katuvomer yakar be'ine adonai hamavtala chasidav. So about him, the, the scripture teaches... Uh, that uh, uh, precious unto in, in God's eyes is the death of his uh, of his uh, pious ones. Um, uh, now that verse that's what it, precious in God's eyes is the death of, of his pious ones. When we usually read that verse, it's in the context of Hallel, and we translate it as uh, grievous in the eyes of God is the death of his uh, pious ones. Right? I don't think that's what he means here. I think that it's a midrash in that verse to say that... Um, it's a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing. Here. What's the Hebrew for the word? Yakar. Yakar. Yeah, it's like, you know, precious. Benzoma, who's our rabbi in this Mishnah, uh, midrash, excuse me, Benzoma hetsitz venifka. So Benzoma glanced and was injured. Uh, uh, but uh, but most of the commentaries uh, about him uh, in this that he was injured uh, say that he that he went insane. Velava katuvomer davash mitzait achul dayecha pen tispaenu vehakato. Uh, so uh, uh, the honey comes out, and, and uh, you you eat until you're you should eat it only until you're full, uh, uh, lest you lest you hurt yourself, right? So in other words, like he sort of overindulged in heaven. He was sort of it's like Willy Wonka, right? You know, right? This is what this passage is like. This right. is like, this is Talmudic Willy Wonka, right? He's he's uh, who's the guy who falls into the river? Uh, uh, we got water. We got alabaster. We got honey. Right. Yeah. Um, so, um, it's a, um, who's the, yeah, I forget the name of that guy. Who's the kid who falls into the chocolate river and Willy Wonka? It's, he's got a German name. Um, he's the German kid. It's like, it's like, it's, it's like Gustav, maybe? Okay, somebody Google that too, right? Um, <laughs> Anyway, but that's <laughs> that's um, that's Benzoma. Acher kitzitz benetiot. Acher uprooted the plants, or uprooted the, or pulled out the shoots. 
uh, uh, he, so he sort of like, he like, um, uh, he like, um, so you'll see, you'll, you'll see a little bit later, um, I'll, I, I, now I have Rashi here, I, I just saw it, uh, that's where we have about, let me go back to Benzoma. Rashi says about Benzoma, Nifka uh, nitrafadato, his, uh, his, his mind was, was torn apart. Um, um, so, Hetzitz Benetiot is, uh, is, is, uh, sorry, Kitzetz Benetiot, um, not exactly sure. Uh, what, it's riffing on a story that we know about Acher that's going to bring us a, a, a little bit. I'll, I'll read it to you. Um, uh, but uh, but but it, it it basically means that he committed apostasy. Uh, that's sort of that that's the sort of idiom. Acher. Oh, Acher. Acher. Uh, pulling shoots. Yeah, I think it's 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 idiomatic. He so like he them, like he like up, them, he like up, he like tore out things from the soil. So one of them died by looking at something. Mm-hmm. One of them died by eating too much honey. <laughs> Not exactly. No, the eating too the, the eating too much honey is uh, is is a midrash. It's it's a, it's, it's sort of like this, right? It's like, so the midrash says, um, you know, if if, if 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 you find a pot of honey, don't overindulge because you'll make yourself sick, right? So that's sort of like what it's saying about uh, that's sort of what happened in Zoma. He overindulged and made himself sick. Um. Uh, one died, right? So he, he he glanced at something that he shouldn't have seen, right? He, his eyes, could, he couldn't process it and died. One went crazy, one uh, committed apostasy. Rabbi Akiva yatsa b'shalom. Rabbi Akiva ended up fine. He, le- he left uh, in peace. Sha'alu uh, at Benzoma, mahu lesaruse kalva. Uh, so I'm not going to get into what Benzoma does here, but basically they're like asking uh, Benzoma questions uh, that indicate his, um, uh, his that that he went crazy. Okay, this is like you know, so uh, so like what can you tell me about um, uh, about like a a a, 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 a castrated dog? Um, um, Anyway, then they ask him this. Anyway, just like questions that demonstrate Benzoma's insanity uh, that we don't need to get into. Um, Just, just to keep on going about the story. um, It is. Then we also have. Okay, let's see where. Um, ah, okay. Tanurabanan. So our rabbis teach Maseb Rabbi Yoshua ben Chanin ben Chananya. Rabbi Yoshua in our in our midrash here. Shehaya Omer al Gav Mala behar habayit. So he was standing um, on a um, on a, 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 a like a high place on the Temple Mount. Virau ben Zoma v'lo amad milfanav. And so Benzoma did, and Benzoma uh, he saw Benzoma and Benzoma didn't stand up to greet him. Uh, Rabbi uh, Yoshua being his rabbi, Amarlo um, he said to him, um, uh, So he says to him, um, where, where you know uh, uh, where are you where are you coming from? Where are you going? Benzoma Amar uh, Amarlo so Ben Maim 
Ben Zuma says, I was, uh, I was looking uh, at uh, the, between the, uh, the upper waters and the lower waters. Right? That's our Midrash, basically. And there wasn't anything between them except for three finger lengths, or three finger widths. As it says that uh, a, 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 a wind from God or spirit from God uh, fluttered or hovered above the waters. Like a dove that is uh, uh, hovering over its uh, uh, children. The inner nogat and doesn't touch them. It's exactly our mid, almost exactly our midrash. A marlahen Rabbi Yoshua the Talmidav, a dain ben zoma. So so Rabbi Yoshua says to his uh, um, uh, to his students. Um, um, Sorry, I think I messed this up. Ah, um, Rabbi Yeshua says to his students, "Adain benzoma mibachutz mikdei ruach Elohim merachavet al pnei amayim." So, uh, uh, so uh, I saw benzoma outside. Benzoma was outside. Uh, um, it, Contemplating about uh, the this verse that the that, uh, the the spirit of God was was hovering on the surface of the waters. Um, right, uh, this didn't happen in the first day of creation. It happened on the second day of creation, the division of the waters. Because it says later on, right about the second day of creation, that the division between the waters happened on the second day. So, in other words, that so what uh, um, uh, what what they uh, say about Rebbe, so they say that that's an, that's evidence that uh, that Benzoma uh, was not of right mind anymore. That he was sort of like you know uh, uh, that he was that he was confused. That he right? couldn't remember which day of creation. That he was that he was looking at something that wasn't there. Right, that okay. uh, that he was you know, thinking about you know whether um, whether there was a division between the you know the um, the uh, waters above and the waters below because of this verse from the first day of creation, but the division didn't happen until the second day of creation, uh, and uh, and so the, he, he he must have lost his mind. Okay. <laughs> Um, okay, I want to just read a little bit more of the story. I just like the story. Acher kitzetz benetziot. So Acher uh, uprooted the plants or uprooted the the, the saplings. Alava katuvomer al titanet picha lechati et psarecha. Don't uh, allow your uh, your mouth to convict your flesh. In other words, don't don't do something. Don't say something that's self-incriminating. Mayhi chaza. So what did what did Acher see? 
מתיאטרון דאידיאבה לרשותה למיטב למכתב זכותה דישראל. So he saw Metatron, who is the chief of the angels. Metatron? Metatron. I know it sounds like a transformer, but... Um, uh, 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 right out of a movie. The, right, the, uh, so in, uh, in, in rabbinic angelology, uh, uh, a, a guy named Metatron, uh, Metatron, is the, is the chief of the angels. He's sort of like okay. God's, God's right-hand, right-hand man, so to speak. And so uh, what Acher saw was that God had given Metatron uh, permission to sit and write down all of the merits of Israel. In other words, to judge, to sit in, in judgment of, of, the, of the Jews. Amar, Gemira delamala, lo have lo yeshiva, velo tachrut, velo oref, velo ifui. So he says, uh, I was under the impression uh, that, uh, that there is no such thing in, in the heavenly realms as uh, sitting down uh, or, uh, or, 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 or being tired uh, or, um, or, 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 uh, or, um, uh, or, or having sides or, you know, sort of having like human bodies, right? That there's like, like I saw this heavenly creature sitting down and writing and that seems to go against everything that I have been taught about what is supposed to happen in the heavenly realm. Shema chas v'shalom, Perhaps, God forbid, there are two divinities. Right? So in other words, I was under the impression that, that in heaven there's not any of this stuff. Right, so how am I seeing this angel sitting down and judging, uh, and writing and judging the merits of Israel? Uh, either, um, uh, either you know, either what I was taught was wrong, or this <coughs> divine creature uh, is not following God's rules, and therefore uh, maybe he is an independent divinity of God. Um. Uh, um, so they uh, uh, after hearing Acher's uh, uh, apostasy the other angels uh, uh, took Metatron over to a quarter and beat him with a wet noodle basically uh, they beat him with uh, they gave him uh, 60 uh, uh, lashes of fire Amarle, my tamaki chazate, look hamt mikame. So how come when you saw that he saw you, you didn't get up and go away so he wouldn't see you, right? In other words, like he committed apostasy. That's something that he's got to live with. But it's your fault that he did it. So going back to uh, yesterday, okay, it's like you know, but like the other kid turned it on for me, right? I was like, yeah, okay, fine. That kid did the wrong thing, right? But you also chose to get on the machine. Like nobody forced you to get on the machine, right? So, so. Acher also like bears responsibility here. He he could have said he could have come to the conclusion, you know, maybe 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 I'm misinterpreting what I'm seeing, right? Or uh, maybe I need to maybe I mislearned or misunderstood that teaching about what happens in the heavenly realm, 
right, or whatever. But that's not what Acher does. Acher uh, sees what he sees and and jumps to the conclusion maybe there's more than one God. And so the angels are mad at Metatron because he bears responsibility in this too. They give him 60 fiery lashes. Um, but but they also gave him uh, permission to erase all of the merits of Acher. Hmm. Right? So to basically write him out of the, the book of life. Yatsta Batkol, the Amra. So a, a divine voice went out and said, Shuvu Banim Shovim, return wayward children, Chutz Me'acher, except for Acher. Amar, so you must have heard this. Amar, so Acher said, Ho'il ve'itreid ha'hu gavra ma'hu alma. So said, well, since I have been uh, exiled from that world, lifuk litani behai alma. So let me go out and enjoy this world. Right? I'm not going to get into heaven. Might as well have a good time here. Nafak Acher letarbut ra'ah. So Acher went out into the evil culture. What is the evil culture? Greece. Or Rome. Yeah. Rome. Oh, Rome. That's right. Sorry. Yeah. He probably didn't go to Rome. He probably just like, you know, went to like, you know, the, the, the wherever. Caesarea, right? Or wherever it is, you know. Nafak. So he went out. Ashkach Zona. He, he, he hired a prostitute. Uh, uh, he found a prostitute, Tava'ah, and he, and he hired her. Amrale, so she says to him, Velavelisha ben Abuyat? Aren't you Elisha ben Abuya? Right? Um, so apparently, you know, the, the, the prostitute knows her rabbis. There's a lot happening in this story. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, Akar Pugla Mimisha Bishabat Yahavla. Okay, he pulled out a radish from the ground on Shabbat and gave it to her. Amra Acherhu. She said he must it must be someone else. So I just want to linger there for a second. First of all, he gets his he gets that name Acher from the prostitutes, right? That's where the term comes from. He's he he can't be this this uh, uh, revered rabbi, he must be somebody else. Um, and so that's sort of how it becomes known, is, is he's this somebody else. You know, um, his, <laughs> the way she knows that, it's, that, that, it, that it must not be Elisha Benabuya is not the hiring of the prostitute itself, <laughs> but the pulling out of oh, the, the radish on Shabbat. <laughs> Just, you know, interesting, you know. Um, <laughs> Hire as many prostitutes as you want. Just don't, you know, uproot a radish on Shabbat. But I think that so um, so it's possible that the, um, the that that you know where it says that he uh, uprooted the plants, it's referring to that, right? That he you know was so convinced that uh, that um, that that uh, that you know that uh, of his apostasy or of uh, or or of you know his his. Uh, lack of share in heaven that he pulled out plants on Shabbat. So that may be what it's referring to. It might also be, if we were to go uh, further in this um, 
in this story, which I think I'm not going to do. Yeah. Because um, then we get going further into the story. There's a dialogue between him and Remy Mayer that's a really powerful dialogue. But the, later on in the story, he, um, he goes into the study hall uh, and he, um, uh, uh, he, his impression is that um, all of the children in the study halls are learning things that uh, that, that that seem to that, that offend him. That that he you know, he he hears it as they're like directly trying to offend him, and so he uh, goes into one of the study halls and kills a whole bunch of the kids. Um, this is Akher that you're talking. Yeah, about. yeah. Um, so that that also might be what it's referring to about uprooting the plants or uprooting the shoots is that he that he was a kid killer. Um, I did a bunch of research on this uh, on this passage when I was in rabbinical school. I was teaching when I was in rabbinical school, um, and you know it's it, it's hard to know what the what the earliest kernel is of the story here. You know, it's probably it could very well be that the, the, there's you know. This isn't like a mythology, right? That there, that there was an apostate rabbi, right? right? Um, you know, so and and maybe his apostasy, you know, maybe it was like such a. My theory about it is that there was an apostate rabbi who um, who committed some kind of um, terrible crime, and so they're trying to explain why, you know, how what could have possibly happened to this rabbi that was so bad that he committed this terrible crime, and, and maybe the crime was that you know. It was a school shooting or something like that. You know, I mean, the, the version of it back then. Isn't it amazing how these old stories <clears throat> ring very current in so many ways? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, listen, there's, you know, uh, I, I can't... Are, I think are it was you talking re- about a person of influence taking a prostitute? Is that a current? Actually, that. Right. Don't don't lie in God's presence, even if it's... Exactly. Uh, right. Right, yeah. it's yeah. That one line should be... Blazing upon a certain person's forehead, up the road. Listen, you know, you could read that passage about uh, you know uh, that I that didn't get. Let me see if I can like get to it. Really, let's see. Um, Okay, so he goes into all these schools. So Tanur Rabbanan Maseh Ba'acher Shaya Rochev Al Asus Shabbat. He was so the story about Acher that he was riding on a horse on Shabbat. Vayar Rabbi Meir Melech Achrav. Rabbi Meir was walking after him. Lil Mo Torah Mepiv. So to learn Torah from him. So Rabbi Meir stayed. Elisha Ben Abuya was Rabbi Meir's teacher, and so Rabbi Meir remained loyal to him. Um... Amarlo Meir Shabbat. So is Mayor, I don't care about this, but you probably care that I've counted the footsteps of the horse and we've reached the Sabbath boundary. So you should turn around and go home because you'll break Shabbat if you keep on going. Amarle Afatah Right? So you you also turn around, right? Um, which is a double meaning here, right? You also like you don't have you don't have to break even though you you were positive you don't have to keep breaking Shabbat also Chazor right like, like do Tshuva turn Amar Lei Velo Kvar Marti Lecha Kvar Shemat this I've already told you Kvar Shemai I've already heard Shemati Mechorei Pargod behind the curtain Shuvu Banim Shovim Chutz Meacher right so I've already heard that 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 uh, that uh, Tshuva is um, is impossible for me basically. Uh, 
Um, okay. So they, they took him to the study hall. Um, so he said to like a, a, a student there, teach me your verse. Amarlo ain shalom amar Hashem l'reshaim. Okay, so he says uh, uh, there is no uh, there is no peace, says God, for the wicked. Aile lebe knishta achriti. So he went to another synagogue. Amarle leyanuka psukli psukecha. So teach me your verse to a to a kid. Amarlo kiim tichbeze bintar bintar bilacha burit. Um, okay, I'm not going to get into that verse. Uh, basically, another verse that like implies to him that you know, like reinforces the sense that you know he's uh, too far gone to do tshuva. Went to another study hall. He asked another kid, you know, teach me your verse, right? Um, and uh, the kid teaches him his verse. Doesn't like that one. Aile le beknishta achriti. Went to another synagogue. Ad the aile le tleisar beknishta. They went to uh, thirteen. I think it's tleisar. The tleisar thirteen uh, uh, synagogues, study halls. Ku paskule ki haigavna lebatra. Right. So they, they, you know, they all, they all, they all went the same way. Rabbi Elisha ben Abuya said, "Teach me your verse." Taught the verses. Uh, they all kind of implied to Alicia that, like, you know, um, they're all learning verses that uh, that 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 say to Alicia, "You're a jerk," right? Um, uh, and and God hates you. Um, um, That's uh, sure to get someone to do tshuva, right? Um, so let's see. Um, okay. Um, uh, Um, uh, uh, so there's some that say that he had a knife in his hand. Uh, and uh, they said that, that this last kid that he heard that, that taught a, a, a nasty verse to him, that he cut him up into 13 pieces and sent his body parts to each of the 13 uh, synagogues. There are those that say... Uh, Amar doesn't say that he said if I had a knife in my hand okay, that if I had a knife in my hand I would have killed him um, okay. so that's, anyway that's the story so um, going back to uh, our uh, our Midrash here Right, so this is Benzoma, um, and presumably this is uh, um, uh, you know a midrash that that refers to Benzoma. Um, it's hard, you know, th- these these texts. Scholars spend a lot of time trying to think of you know which is the original uh, text and whether you know uh, and also like what's the kernel truth. So you know, did did was there a rabbi named Benzoma who eventually went crazy and people are trying to figure out like like why it is that he went crazy. And so then they include him in this story as a way of explaining why he went crazy. Um, but anyway, so apparently this meditation on the divisions between uh, the the, um, the upper and lower waters are an indication of his insanity. Um, 
So Rashi to Chagiga 15a, which we just looked at, uh, commenting on the parallel Talmudic passage, I'm in, I'm in still note number 47 here, explains that Benzoma was referring to the extremities of the Earth's surface at the horizon, where the apparently dome-shaped firmament reaches down to the ground. Um, uh, uh, although the sages knew and often state that the Earth is a sphere, they sometimes couch their esoteric teachings in metaphors that draw on what an observer sees about him, a dome-covered, horizon-rimmed, flat expanse of Earth. I, I see no reason to believe that Anyway, whatever. Um, all right, let's skip to, uh, um, well, let's just go, keep going to 48. So Benzoma supports his own understanding of the verse by refuting the one advocated by Rabbi uh, Chagai just above. Rabbi Chagai had interpreted Merachavet's blowing. But that was scripture's intent, argues Benzoma. The appropriate word would have been Menashevet, uh, which is more commonly used in that sense. Okay, we, we talked about that, that, that it's a, uh, a debate about that, uh, what, what's happening in that verse where it says God, uh, a, a, some, a, a wind from God or the spirit of God uh, blew or hovered above the waters. Okay, The spirit or wind of God did not blow strongly over the water, but hovered. And this was because there was only a small space between the upper waters and the lower waters. Okay, Now, I, you know, I'm not sure exactly what that's supposed to mean or look like, but if you like, look up at the ocean, you know, you, you, you see the where the sky meets the sea. You know, it maybe like it looks like there's like a, you know, like, yeah, right. But maybe it looks like there's like a, um, like, like Moana says, you know, the, the line where the sky meets the sea, right? And there's like a little line there. So maybe it's like three, you know, you like looked. It's like, okay, yeah, it's like that, you know? Um, uh, as, so as explained above, there are two possibilities as to what period Benzoma is discussing, the first day of creation before God introduced the separation between the heavenly and earthly waters, or the second day and on after the separation. If Benzoma's subject is the first day, it makes eminent sense for him to base his assertion on the present verse, which pertains to the first day. Um, but if Benzoma is speaking of the second day and on, how can we adduce proof from the first day verse? Perhaps the gap between the two waters is very small on the first day, but then became much wider after the separation of the second day. Indeed, the Talmud relates that Rabbi Yeshua rejected Benzoma's conclusion for this very reason. Uh, but what was Benzoma thinking? How could he have made such an oversight? Yifet Torah suggests that Benzoma understood the first two verses of the Torah in the manner favored by Rashi. Namely, that these verses are not part of the account of creation, but rather an introduction to that account. According to, in the beginning of God's creating heaven and earth, God said, let there be light, right? Which is actually how the JPS uh, translation translates it, right? It's not um, talking about the first thing that happened in, the first thing that happened in creation that, that we can identify is, is light, right? Everything else is sort of a preamble, Saying that God's in the process of doing this, uh, so what we're what we're teaching here is not exactly you know in order, right? Um, uh, uh, the first thing the first thing linearly that we know is God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. Um, uh, so according to this approach, it's possible to say that the various phenomena mentioned in this introduction, including the spirit of God hovering upon the surface of the waters, are references to conditions that were actually introduced later on in the creation. In this case, on the second day. So in other words. 
Benzoma is suggesting, possibly, Benzoma is suggesting that the, that the spirit of God that was uh, hovering over the surface of the waters is actually referring to something that happens later on. It's just mentioned earlier, right? So it's uh, this one of these... Um, in, you know, one of these examples of in damu me'achar Torah. There's no strict chronology necessarily in the in the Torah. So he's referring here to something that happens. So the the that second verse of Genesis is actually referring to something that happens later when God separates upper waters from lower waters. That's when the wind of God is fluttering, hovering between the waters. And in that case, uh, it's it's hovering like there's a little there's a, some amount of space between the upper waters. And the lower waters. Um, now, I, I, I don't think that, uh, you know, uh, it, it's hard to know exactly what Benzoma is really talking about here, which I think is part of the problem. Um, it's really, it's in some ways, it's hard to know what the Torah is talking about here, which is even before that part of the problem. You know, it's like, you know, what does it mean, uh, first of all, that there's a, di- a division between upper waters and lower waters? Is it talking about the sky, or is it talking about heaven and earth, right? Um, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, and I'm also not sure what Benzoma is thinking here. Um, it could be that Benzoma um, is, 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 is basically trying to, uh, trying to say that there's no... There's not really a division between heaven and earth. Uh, maybe that's sort of like you know, like he, um, um, like he went, you know, he he like he 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 like saw the matrix and um, and like now he can't like distinguish between uh, between like the heavenly realm and the earthly realm. And Rabbi Yeshua is saying is that there's actually a huge division between uh, heaven and earth. Right, the division between one right uh, between heaven between lower waters uh, is, is 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 major, and the and the firmament is a, is a is a substantial division between the two of them, um, and you know that could be the you know the established rabbinic understanding is that the, that would you know what what we're talking about in Genesis is like heaven heaven not sky heaven. Um, that could explain, you know, kind of what's what's happening with Benzoma here. That he just sort of has lost his lost grip of reality. Um, so, if you look then a little bit further, note number fifty, right? There's no hope for him. He is sure to pass away. So, I think it's being euphemistic here. I think that the you know, in, in classic art school fashion, I don't think that they want to. Um, you know, indicate that that Benzoma went crazy, but I think that that's what happens to him in the in, in the Talmud's version. Uh, Rabbi Yeshua judged that Benzoma was delving too deeply into the sublime secrets of creation. These concepts are too holy to tolerate the physical. By meditating on them and attaching his mind to them, Benzoma caused his soul to break loose from its physical moorings, leaving it to drift heavenward to the point of no return. Um, Alternatively, according to the opinion that Rabbi Yeshua considered Benzoma to be badly mistaken, he took this error as a sign that God was no longer with him and that his life would end as a result. Um, now, if you look a little bit further, right? note this Midrash concurs with Talmud Yerushalmi, which likewise states that Benzoma died as a result of his esoteric inquiries. However, according to Talmud Bavli, which is what we just read, Chagigah 14b, 
Ben Zoba lost his mind, but not his life. It was another scholar, Ben Azai, who met his death in the way described here. So I don't, you know, I don't, I, I don't know what Rabbi Yoshua is saying here. If it's if he's saying that Ben Zoma's gone, right? like in other words, like you know, he's sort of out, you know, what what is it? Out to lunch right. is the expression, right? Sure. Um, right. Um, this is a, a complicated uh, uh, midrash. What what you know? If I if if I were like a uh, you know rabbinic rabbinic literature <laughs> scholar. Um, I, what I would note about that is that you know the, the you know the, there's a, I'd have to look at the Talmud Yerushalmi version and compare and contrast, uh, and it could be that in the Talmud Yerushalmi for the Palestinian Talmud version uh, that uh, that Ben Azai is the one listed as the one who went insane and Ben Zoma. So there's you know, debate about who went insane and who uh, uh, who who died. Uh, everyone agrees about Acher and Rabbi Akiva. Those two, uh, um, their fates are, are certain. Um, maybe there's a disagreement about you know what happened to, to Ben Azai or, or Ben Zoma. Um, but and Amuya is the one that's the subject of the as a driven leaf. And then it was sorry, moving forward. Yeah. Um, Several stories, actually. Several stories. Yeah. Um, you know, it, 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 I think, you know, it all goes back to that, the, to the teaching of the Mishnah, which is, you know, don't spend too much time thinking about things that it's really impossible for human beings to know or understand. Um, and this is this, I think this whole story is meant to be like a cautionary tale of what happens when, when, when you do that. Akiva seems to be treated in, in this Favoritism. Uh, yeah. Is there a reason for that? Well, Akiva's a, a, a hero in, you know, in rabbinic yeah, literature. Yeah, but that happened. Well, when, when was this written? Was this after the Roman period? When, uh, they had, they had, all, all, yeah, almost certainly it was. So, so you know, Akiva lived. Um, uh, in the uh, in in the second century uh, of the Common Era, so you know, like roughly like one hundred to to you know one fifty or one sixty or something. Um, whenever the bar he, he died around the time of the Bar Kokhba revolt, um, he was executed by Rome. So Akiva's a martyr, you know. So you know, you, often um, you you sort of turn turn martyrs into heroes. Um, like what you know? How would we remember John F. Kennedy if he if he wasn't assassinated? Um, uh, you know, he'd probably be like you know, sort of like a middle tier president, maybe. <laughs> you know, um, but um, you know, but people people get celebrated in a different way when they're martyrs. But uh, you know, it's hard to know about. Uh, you know, it's hard to pinpoint exactly when this story was written. Um, it's. It's a fairly old story, as as, as far as we have the story. The story. Well, so I mean, right. So you have um, the, the the story that we have in the midrash is definitely older than this collection of midrash, right? Uh, now the the story as we have it in the midrash, like in the exact telling of it, I have to look and compare how the stories are written. It may be that the exact way that this is written is is unique to the to the midrash, which is later than the Babylonian Talmud. 
Um, uh, so it could be that this Midrash was sort of plucked from the Babylonian Talmud. Um, probably not the other way around. It probably was not taken you know, into the Talmud from the Midrash. Um, so, so this Midrash is, you know, is, is, is at least, you know, at, at least as old as the Babylonian Talmud, which is, you know, around the year 500 before the Common Era, but probably older than that because as, as the notes indicate, um, it's in the Palestinian Talmud too, which is, uh, which is codified about a century before the, the Babylonian Talmud. Um, it's hard to know if, it, if it's much earlier, if, if it's much earlier than that, I, I have to, um, I'd have to go back and do a little looking and see, um, you know, but chances are good. It was, it was written, um, at least a, a century after Rabbi Akiva's death. Um, so, you know, so why Rabbi Akiva is the hero of the story, I, I don't know. Um, other than, you know, if you're going to have a hero, might as well be Rabbi Akiva. Right. Um, it could be that, uh, you know, and it's got to be a contemporary with Alicia Ben Abuya, and Akiva was a contemporary with Alicia Ben Abuya, Ben Zoma and Ben Azai were, were contemporaries, right? So they sort of get included in this. Now it could very well be that the story happened, right? Or you know, or, or um, um, you know, I mean, the, you know, Akiva gets to tell the tale, right? And uh, and the um, so you know, um, uh, the let's, the midrash ends uh, with you know, on the next page. So at the very top, and indeed. Not many days went by when with Benzoma still, still in the world. Well, yeah. Now again, right? That could be euphemistic, right? You know, you, um, um, the wayward rabbi, right? Uh, so, 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 in other words, you know, the actually art school even uh, addresses that, right? According to the reading. The last phrase was in the world is either a euphemism for was not in the world or a reference to the world of truth, um, uh, the world of souls after death. So, you know, so it could actually could refer to, to a few things. Right? It could refer to, like, literally he died soon after this. Was that? Well, we have the box below insights, the, de- the deeds of the wicked. <laughs> yeah, it's the next Midrash. Um, um, all right. Uh, I think that we're looking at a radish again. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, be careful what you pluck on Shabbat. Um, I think you know. The, I think that the, you know the, the moral that they're trying to teach here is um, you know, which is sort of an ironic moral considering that they're spending a lot of time on this. Uh, is, you know, don't spend too much time thinking about this right. stuff. Because <laughs> right. um, it's, it's impossible to know. Um, so we'll drive you crazy. Yeah. Right. <laughs>